A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday, Haley. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday, Dan. Happy Fourth of July. Yes. Weekend, right? It's a fun one. Yes, it's a fun one. This is the weekend that I become an old person every single time of the year. I am not offending old people. I'm not trying to. For how long? Like as a child, did you become an old person? Yeah, Um, I'm not a big fan of fireworks. They honestly annoy me. (laughs) I'm that person. You know, it's 10 o'clock. We're trying to sleep around here. What's wrong with you people? Yeah, I didn't like Fourth of July as a kid either. I like it now, but Uh when I was a kid, I got ear infections quite often. And so any loud noises, I was not a fan of. Like, didn't even like balloons because there was a possibility they could pop. Seriously. (laughs) I I was afraid of balloons. Yeah. So yeah, for the July. Was I don't know not what to say about that. Yeah, yeah. Let's of. let's get back to that for sure. I can talk about that. Yeah, I've never been a big fan of the fireworks. I guess I like aspects of it, but the noise. Yeah, in fact, I honestly, I think to be fair, I can handle it on the fourth. Yeah, it's the ones that go off early and the ones that continue to go late. Now I get that. Yeah, and then I tell myself. You are way older than you need to be. You're acting like a <laughs> bitter, bitter person. Lawn. Yeah, exactly. But it's that weekend, and we've all got Monday off, at least most of us. If you don't, I'm really sorry yeah, about sorry. that, because I know how bad that feels. We appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. You're a hero. Yeah. <laughs> and we need you. <laughs> Just glad it's not me. Anyway, what do we got on the show today, Haley? Let's transition out of that and try to offend less people. Well, we're going to be talking about something else that's uniquely American, which is the front porch. Yes. Very excited for that conversation. We've also got Sue Prinz and Ginger Herman on the show talking about the state of the real estate market. There's been some development in that realm, and people are a little afraid right now. Yeah, people are freaked out. Yeah. And you don't need to be. We hope. (laughs) Sue's going to fill us in on all kinds of information and help us get a better grasp of the situation. Yes. But right now, let's talk about the 4th of July. And yeah, I don't really know where we're going to go with this. I think it's just a bunch of fun facts. Now, some of you probably know many of these fun facts already. Maybe some of you would not call them fun. I don't know. We're just deciding that these are fun. Because the website we're looking at says they are fun. (laughs) So we're rolling with that. But they are facts. Haley, what's your first 4th of July fact? And I will tell you if you're right or wrong. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The current flag design was actually submitted by a 17-year-old. So What? Yeah. A 17-year-old designed our current flag uh, in 1958 was the last time the flag was updated. Well, what was there to change? You know, it's a really good question. <laughs> that seems like that seems like an, a participation award. But yeah, I, I mean, mean, what he added a from... star. I propose well, yeah. that we move these four stars over to the left and make room on the right for one more. Well, I guess he could have like made one bigger. I don't know. Potentially, people redesigned the flag. Maybe that's why his design was accepted because he it looks just kept like the old one. The same. <laughs> All right. Well, I didn't know that. I, I don't know how amazing that is. It's weird, for sure. It is a little strange. Yeah. Okay. What is my first fact? I like this one. Three presidents who signed the Declaration of Independence died on July 4, not after signing it. 
right? It wasn't that day. It's not like they signed okay. it and then right. it dropped wasn't over. Like a curse. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're dropping like flies. Who's next? Who's next? No, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, and this is another fact tucked in that little fact. Okay. Thomas Jefferson and John Adams didn't like each other a whole lot, mm-hmm. and they both died. On exactly the same day, July 4, 1826. No, no, no. It wasn't like Hamilton and Burr. Well, Burr survived that. But no, they both died, natural causes, hmm. on their own, on the same exact day. That's very That's strange. very interesting. And then James Monroe died five years later on July 4 in 1831. What the heck? So there you go. Huh. I did not know that. Nope. So there's something for you that you didn't know. And I think that's rather fun. Okay. What's your next one? So last year we talked about flag etiquette. Yes, we did. And I really liked that segment. And I was looking at flag etiquette again. But then I also found this fact that a snippet of the flag, of the star-spangled banner flag, the flag that inspired this, Mm -hmm. was actually sold at auction. So they cut the flag and sold part of it. Well, if you can make money off it, it's okay. Right. (laughs) Isn't that like really, really against flag etiquette? I I would think so, but they seem to know what they're doing. How much did they get for it, by the way? Uh, 38,000, which seems like a deal. That seems. Yeah. I could go for that. (laughs) If I had a piece of that flag, where's it displayed? The Smithsonian. Okay. So it'd be tough to get. Yeah. But if I could pull it off, I could snag 38,000. I don't. snip some off of it. How big a piece do I need to get that kind of cash? It didn't say how okay. big. Oh, no. Actually, I do have the measurements. Two by five. Okay. I can do that. Yeah. Well, Just I'm, two inches by I'm, five inches. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not going to do it because now I'm on record saying that I could do it. So right. if it happens, I'm the first one the government's coming after. Because <laughs> I know they're listening to the show, monitoring, wondering, are we dishing what anything that should be do clamped down right? <laughs> exactly. Well, that's very interesting. I didn't know that. Um, let's see here. I think this is interesting. John Adams... Again, we're talking way back, mm-hmm. you know, founding father John Adams um, proposed in a letter to his wife that once they signed on, uh, you know, the Declaration of Independence, which yeah. actually wasn't signed on July 4th. That's right. just the day it was dated. It was signed in August by everybody. I think John Hancock and somebody else signed it originally, but then all the rest of the signatures happened a little bit later. Yeah. Anyway, John Adams proposed in his wife that there should be a celebration from this day forward Every, I think he wanted it to be the 2nd of July, but it turned out to be every 4th of July. And then he described what he thought people should do from this point on till the end of time, he said. And it would be having picnics and community events. Playing games. Playing games and having fireworks displays. And I ran into this too and I thought it was amazing that we do exactly what he kind of wanted for that day. He was really bossy and that's just how he was. (laughs) And so when he said it, everybody said, oh, my gosh, if we don't do it, he's going to just nag us and nag us. So we did it and found out it was kind of fun. It's kind of cool. Kept it going. Do you have another one? I do. How many flags are on the moon, Dan? How many American flags? um, I'm going to say five. Wow. Yeah. Dead on. (laughs) Yeah. Did you know that? Nope. I pulled that out of the air. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yes, I knew that. Impressive. That was a really good guess. Yeah, I'm pretty good at guessing. I spend a lot of my life doing it. (laughs) You get good at it after a while. Where are they all? I know, are we talking flags on pieces of equipment as well as literal flags? 
on the surface know? of the moon, it says. So okay. I, it could be on things that we've left behind, I suppose. Yep. Maybe it's in Candy the wrappers and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to know all the... But Jack five flags left. on the moon. How many other flags, other countries' flags are out there? I don't know. We probably take those down when we go. <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That's the game that's being played right now. Yeah. I like this one. Americans spend over $1 billion on fireworks every year. Holy cow. Yep. Those are the people that keep me up at night, multiple nights in a row, with all their fireworks. Banging, going off. We appreciate it, though, sometimes, right? It's yeah, fun to see. we appreciate on the 4th. Yeah. Yeah. I think a follow-up is 45,000 people go to the emergency room every 4th of July because of fireworks-related oh injuries. So everybody out there, be careful. Keep all your digits yeah. and all of those things. We should do like a fireworks safety segment next year. I don't year. think I'm suited for that. <laughs> I've not got a great track record with that. Well, then I've it's, made it'd mistakes, Haley. Well, yeah, I know what not to do. Yeah, that's half of it. That's half the battle. You've got time for one more quick fact, Haley. It's got to be quick. Okay, Haley is bailing on that, but Dan is here to bail her out. Calvin Coolidge was the only president born on the Fourth of July. Oh, that's very cool. Yep. So we've got three who kicked it, one that arrived. <laughs> Calvin Coolidge, the man, didn't say much. But he was born on a good day. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be in the studio with Sue Prins and Ginger Herman talking about the state of the real estate market. And we're going to let you know if you need to be freaked out or if you can just be cool. That's all just ahead. Stay tuned. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back, and we're in the studio with Sue Prins and Ginger Herman from Sue Prins Group, five star real estate leaders. Yes, you got the leader part. I got this time. all of it parts. this time. You yeah, stuck the landing. I did. Uh, <laughs> previously, Sue has told me, you don't even have to say that part because she can tell yeah. it's too much for me. Too many words, <laughs> but I did it. I've been practicing all night, ready for this moment. This is my moment. You did it. And I'm going to bring home the gold. <laughs> anyway, last time you were here, we talked about the state of the real estate market. And it was a little bit doom and gloom if you were a new buyer. Mm-hmm. And Sue, you reached out last week and said, things have changed a little bit and it's really time to update everybody. So mm-hmm. we're going to just let you run with it. What's changed? It's, is it more positive now or is it changed? I should ask that first, right? Before I even got you here. Is it a good change or a bad change? My perspective is there's some good things happening. We're hearing a little different kind of gloom and doom from the media, mm-hmm. talking about you know using words like crash mm-hmm. or the bubble bursting. And um, I am not in agreement with that, to be honest. I think that, yes, there is a shift. Mm-hmm. The The ship is turning, but I don't see the ship turning into the iceberg <laughs> and crashing and sinking. Excellent. Um, I do not have that perspective. I think there's a lot of positive things that are happening here, and in particular, for the first-time buyer. Hmm. Um, in, in well, it's that, especially good, because yeah. it's been really hard for them. It's, I mean... Most of all, I think, in the way the market's been. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, the interest rates are going up, but 
you know, Ginger brought out the last time we were here in your studio, she mm-hmm. brought up the fact that, you know, when we were looking at potentially 6%, I don't think it was quite there. Maybe it was hovering there the last time we were I here. I think it was getting close. Yeah. People were getting a bit nervous. Yeah. And what did you say? Do you remember? No. Oh, Tell me. Goodness. <laughs> Pure brilliance. You brought up the fact that the millennials or, you know, people your oh, age. Yes. Yeah. My age people, we never saw 6 or 7 so we were all freaking out. But it's really not that bad historically. I mean, I don't... Dan, do you remember what your interest rate was on your first house? I thought it was eight something. Okay, well, it's still higher yeah, than six. Be. So look at we're still right? doing better. Yeah. But there's Long a lot of people that were like 11%, 12%, 13%. Like we're not there yet. So it's still, it's still low. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And the projections, talked to uh, Becky from Cross Country Mortgage this morning, in fact, just getting her opinion on this because they, they really hang tight with some mm-hmm. some top economists. And she said, actually, the projections they're hearing is that in uh, about a year from now, actually, she projected spring, we're going to see the interest rates come back down again. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Now, again, it's a projection. Yeah. But it's good that a lot of the top economists are thinking this way. So what does this mean for a first-time buyer looking at 6% right now? Well, there's there, there's two roads they could travel, and one would be to take the extra cash. Remember last time we talked about how much cash they needed? Yes. Yeah, in it's fact, Sue, that. you... Yeah, yeah, it's all about that. It's all about the cash, Sue <laughs> yes. said. And then you called after we had aired the show. You wanted to come back on the next week and clarify even more how much money they needed. Yes. Do you remember that? You came yeah. back and even made it worse. I made it worse. It's I, like you pushed the little kid down, and then you pushed so him down him. again and punched him. Yeah. So tell us about the cash. Is it yeah. better now? So I, I foresee it being better, and here's where you can chime in, Ginge, on this, because we're not always in complete agreement. But <laughs> what I good. see is because of this this ship turning a little bit, mm-hmm. remember, we're still in a seller, seller's market, but the market is actually neutralizing. So if we starting do, to it's neutralize. starting to neutralize. So if we hit the neutral market, remember there's a seller's market, a neutral mm-hmm. market, and a buyer's market. If we hit that neutral market, this could be good for a buyer and that maybe they won't have to have as much cash, but maybe they have that cash sa- saved away because sure. of what they've been trying to do. Some of them been be, you know, beat out beat up and beat out, yeah. still not gotten that home yet because of being beat out. But the cash that they've been saving, they can either, one, they could pay down their rate. But right. if if what happens in the spring that they're projecting for the interest rates to come back down, it would be financially better for them to hold off and do um, a refinance in the spring and buy it whatever, six, fives, whatever the rate is at the mm-hmm. time that they're going to purchase. The rates will will potentially go up, we're, we're thinking, in July, right, Ginger? Yeah, the feds meet again in July to discuss the, the rates again. So it's most likely going to go up a little bit more again. Mm-hmm. By Where how are much, we right no now? Idea. Um, I like to tell people anywhere from like 6.0 to 6.7, maybe. It's going to depend on people's credit. Which is a huge range. But yeah, I mean, if you have a really good credit score and you're putting a large down payment down conventional loan, like you might be closer to the 6.0, 6.3 range. Okay. Other programs, you might kind of reach a little bit higher. But we're expecting that to go up a little bit and then potentially by next year this time we've gone back down again yeah, yeah. so it's which actually happened i don't know a couple of years ago i wish i knew the exact year but we 
I remember when we breached 5%, everyone went nuts. And then within 9 to 12 months, it would drop back down to the fours mm-hmm. again. And that's when we had a ton of people refinance. <laughs> so it's kind of like we're probably going to see that again. So it's not like when we see these higher rates either that that means that's your rate for the rest of you know, the mortgage. Mm-hmm. You can always refinance when those rates do drop again. Go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. it's not the end of the world. And I like that, I mean, potentially this is cooled the market off a little bit. You yes. know, I think everyone was going right. crazy because it was a 3% right. and yep. we have to buy right now, right now, right now. Yep. And now that those rates are higher, people are, well, I could wait. You know, yeah. it doesn't have to be right now. Yeah. So Sue and I were talking I in the car that she was reading up on an economist that the the increase in our home prices was not sustainable. Right. And I think that was the biggest thing yeah. here is we can't keep increasing at 1% a month for the rest of time. Like no one's going to be able to afford that. <laughs> that's inflation, right? Right. Like we have to, that's what the feds are trying to do. We're trying to control inflation. So that's why they have to increase the interest rates because we can't keep going. So mm-hmm. it is, it's, I mean, sellers are still, we're still in multiple offers, but maybe more like three to five offers instead of like 15 to 20 offers. Yeah, I was going to say when I was looking, it was like 20 offers. Yeah. So So now you're not competing against maybe as many people. You know, home prices aren't maybe as crazy high as what they were, you know, four to six to two months ago, whatever you want to, you know, call it. Or at least it's not like increasing so much every month because mm -hmm. that was the other really stressful part last year was if I didn't get a house this month, the next month, the prices are going to be even higher yes. because it was just mm-hmm. exponential growth. Yes. Yeah. Well, that was, you know, the low inventory, mm-hmm. the high demand. Mm-hmm. And now, it, you know, as this ship is turning, this is going to look better for the buyers that to not be competing with, you know, the 20 offers right. to maybe two to three. I've I've been through some just recently. There's two yeah. to three offers. Guess what? We got to do inspections. Yeah. Wow. When was the last time we got to do inspections? Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, you um, had to just completely drop that off the table yeah. before just to be competitive. Yes. We had a buyer even uh, was able to ask for closing costs. Yeah. That was like that's Seller paid for closing costs. Yeah. Market, wow. You know, so I think there's just a lot of healthy things going on here. Um, I'm mm-hmm. I'm not seeing as gloom and doom as the media is presenting. Well, that's that's positive. Thank you, Sue, for that. <laughs> yes, we're in the thank we're you. <laughs> in the studio with Sue Prins and Ginger Herman from Sue Prins Group Five Star Real Estate Leaders, and yeah, so it's looking like it's a little better, a little more positive for mm-hmm. buyers. I'm curious about sellers, but I think we're going to need to take a break and get to that on the other side. So everybody out there, stay tuned. We'll be right back. to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM. And we're back, and we're in the studio with Sue Prins and Ginger Herman from Sue Prins Group Five Star Real Estate Leaders, and we're talking about uh, the state of the real estate market. And we just ended last segment talking about how the doom and gloom that's kind of been the case for buyers is lifting a little bit. Now I want to look at sellers. What are you seeing for them? 
Is so, it their turn for doom and gloom? Yeah, but no. <laughs> but think about a lot of times the sellers, their fear was was well, where am I going mm-hmm. once I sell my home? I'm watching these I'm I'm watching these prices go up and I'm going to be a buyer once I sell my home. Right. So the neutral if we're shifting towards that neutral market, it's not such a bad thing for them either because they're still I mean even right now it's still a seller's market. So if they yeah. sold now, there there would not be in as strong of a competing market as it was in the spring. So it gives them an opportunity to, you know, to have a, to get a to Find get a win, to get that next house. So I've got some some sellers slash buyers in that position right now, and they're actually actually excited. They're like, okay, we're still in a seller's market. Yeah, we might not get that extra ten thousand or whatever because but I can of actually get a house. Less competing, you know, <laughs> offers. Yeah. They won't have maybe twenty. They'll have five. <laughs> but you know, they can now turn around and get that purchase. In fact, one of the buyers that I'm working with, we went to go write an offer on a house, and I think that. The house was listed at 479. They had an offer delay deadline, you know, mm-hmm. date. The day came and passed. Wow. They, you know, they didn't. They didn't get their. They didn't get their multiple offers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is wow. What, yeah, what that's we're a seeing. huge change compared yeah. to last year for sure. Yeah, yeah. And As I, a listing agent, we're now just kind of changing up our pricing strategy. Yes. So we, I mean, beforehand we were listing it on the lower side to create the multiple offers, mm-hmm. but now we're even going at slightly lower than what we would have maybe two months ago, just to make sure, hey, are the buyers still out there for yeah. this house? Great. Because remember, in the mindset of the buyer beforehand, we would always tell them, already plan on going at least like 20 grand over right. that. So they're still thinking about that, so that we kind of have to change our mindset now as a listing as a listing agent. Like, let's drop that, that initial purchase price even lower now that interest rates are higher and people have kind of moved down a price bracket. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. They're still getting an amazing amount for their house. I mean, if you look at last year compared to this year, you're still probably at mm-hmm. least 10%, 12% higher than what you were last year. It's just not increasing at that yeah, you know, crazy rate anymore. Rate. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really important if we look back pre-pandemic this time of year in 2019, so let's say May, because we don't have June's projections yet, but yeah. May in 2019, pre-pandemic, the sales were at 5.3 million. This is national. This is coming right from the National Association of Realtors. And then 2020, the uh, sales were at 5.6 million. Okay. 2021 was the highest at 6.1. Oh, wow. Now, here we are, 2022 May, the sales were at 5.4, still above pre-pandemic. So Still strong. We saw this, yeah, huge jump, again, bottleneck mm-hmm. of demand, right. low supply. Yeah. But we're kind of just easing back down rather than a crash so far. Now, you know, this is projections. We don't know what's going to happen yet in July. Wait a minute. July. So you don't know what's going to happen? Oh, my Everything goodness. Everything you just told me might not happen? It sorry. still might be bad? We forgot our crystal ball at home. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. We're going off of... The top economists, what they're saying, and I, the projections look pretty good overall. Yeah. Well, I think it just wasn't sustainable. 
Exactly. Ultimately. Well, nobody won in that in that right. market the way it was because yes, you could pull in a ton of money for selling your house. Well, I'm sure somebody won. That's how it's how it works. It wasn't me. That's what I care about. But no, you sell the house, you get all this extra money. But like you said, now I've got to turn around and buy a house. I'm buying a house at a lot of extra money. Mm-hmm. I, this yeah. is way better for everybody involved. True. Exactly. So that's good to hear. Yeah. Sue, we've got maybe a minute. Is there anything else you want to add? Ginger, anything else you want to add? Or did we cover everything the way you wanted to cover it? Sue was scrolling through notes frantically. I was just going to say, she's looking at her notes. She's you know, making sure that we didn't forget anything. <laughs> you know me. And I might repeat myself doing that, right? It's been done. Um, I think I'd just kind of like to close with a quote from Selma Hepp, and she is the Deputy Chief Economist for CoreLogic. So she comes out of Irvine, California, okay. and we talked about what happens in the West usually eventually hits us. Yes, and I exactly. just I love her positive spin. And she says, I believe we are not heading towards a housing market court crash. The current home price growth rate is unsustainable. We talked about that. And higher mortgage rates coupled with more inventory will lead to slower home price growth, but unlikely declines in home prices. Good thing. And then she further says that even though higher mortgage rates have priced out plenty of potential buyers, many shoppers are willing and able to purchase a home and will, will perceive slowing of buyer competition as an opportunity to purchase. And I love that. And I 100% yes. agree with this quote from Selma. Yeah, yeah so I like that she says the prices aren't declining. They're just slowing down at a slower increase of rate. That's, that's right. That's completely different than a crash. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. So we're back to saying guaranteed there's no crash that's what i'm hearing yes guaranteed all right uh not from me over here (laughs) well it's good to just get a a positive spin on things and to see that it might not be what we hear in the media all the time not might might not be exactly that we might it's not as inflammatory as people make it out right and we're just uh, trying to get followers yeah Yeah, neutral market benefits everybody so sue prince ginger herman how do our listeners get in touch with you if they've got more questions Sure. You can call me directly on my cell, 616-723-2400. Ginger? If you want my point of view, you can call <laughs> 616-633-5880. Excellent. We'll put all that information in the show notes. Sue and Ginger, thanks for being here. Thanks Thank for having you. us. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about front porches and more importantly, a professional organization that's all about them right (laughs) yes that's all just ahead stay tuned if you want to take your diy skills up a rung the repco light home improvement show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back. And Haley, let's talk about front porches because just like the 4th of July, just like apple pie, just like hot dogs, front porches <laughs> are uniquely American. Probably even more so. Possibly more so. <laughs> and that may come as a surprise to you, but really, around the world, the front porch, architecturally, as we think of it, mm-hmm. is a non-existent item. Right, exactly. This is not a part of other architectural styles outside of America, and I think that's really surprising because we see them on a daily basis. They're so crucial to a front of the house that we just think that that's a given. Yeah, now we don't use them as much as we used to. Exactly. And that's a little bit sad. We're going to yeah. get to that, and that's the whole point of this episode, is to try to 
I was going to say regurgitate, not regurgitate. Revive. Revive. Yes. <laughs> Another word like, it's not even remotely like regurgitate. We want to revive the front porch. Now, in the mid-1800s to just before World War II, everybody was hanging out on the front porch. It was a key spot of the home and a part of the community. You know, it was well, yeah, a big it was community thing. practical, but it was also a part of the culture of America during that time to have this transitional space between private and public and to have kind of a neighborhood watch almost. Right. People hanging out, talking, hey, John, hey, Biff, how you doing? All that stuff all the time, right? Yep. Kind of has gone away. We didn't go to the backyards back then for a very good reason. They were full of the outhouse. The coal piles. Yeah, right. The compost, compost pile. Chickens, cows. It was oh, stinky. Stinky things, right? So the front porch was the place if you wanted to be outside. Well, then we got indoor plumbing and the outhouse came inside. And the backyard kind of cleaned up. And we got air conditioning. And the indoors started looking pretty good. <laughs> and people have faded away from this front porch thing. And it's sad. And in fact, we teased it at the end of the last segment. There's a professional organization that has raised the hue and cry mm-hmm. that this the front porch needs to come back. Yeah, they really want to revive this as a neighborhood activity. And so they've created the Professional Porch Sitters Union. The Professional <laughs> Porch Sitters Union. Not just national. No. National and professional. Yeah, because it is national. People all over the country now have started making their own chapters because there's nothing required. It's not, you know, an organization that has membership fees and a card. And it, it's just you sitting on your front porch and deciding consciously to make that a part of your daily life. It is such a great thing. If you've got a front porch, now you do. I do. And you're enjoying that space. I love it. I try to sit out there every day, at least, you know, at night after dinner. That's where I go. Oh, man, I loved it. I'd be out there listening to the Tigers at my old house. I don't have a front porch, and I I dramatically miss that now. But I loved listening to the Tigers. I loved having the neighborhood sounds. Mm -hmm. You know, people walking by, strollers going by, quiet road noise. You've got dogs across the street to watch. I didn't need to be engaged and talking to everybody. That always wasn't my big thing. But just having people around, I didn't feel isolated. Right. Shall we start talking about my problems of isolation? (laughs) Front porches. They're great spaces. And if you've got one and are using it, you know all that. We're going to go through some projects. Maybe that will help you make it even better. Right. We're really focused on the people who have a front porch and aren't using it or the people who don't have a front porch at all, like me. Haley, there's still answers for us, right? Yes, and the Professional Porch Sitters Union says that you don't have to have a front porch either. So you can still be a part of their club and not even have a front porch. They're very inclusive. (laughs) Anybody can come in. If you can fog a glass, like Sue said in the last couple segments, you're in. Exactly. You just have to sit. But your neighbor has a space, no front porch. but No front porch, but she has a little um, paved area outside of her breezeway of the house. And she has this summer decided that's going to be a front porch because at heart, she's a porch sitter. This is what she loves to do is to sit outside and watch the neighborhood go by with her dogs. And so she's defined that area by bringing in some planter boxes, flowers, some bistro lights. She's got some nice furniture out there and she just sits. Now, I think that is really smart. And when you were talking about that, it gave me an idea. I've got a little landing area that right outside my front door And it's right on the yard. It's a great little spot. It's not big. I really can't have furniture out there because the door swings open. There's not a lot of room for the furniture to just sit there. But what I can do, and I'm going to do, is find some folding chairs that I'm going to hang on the wall inside. Because this is a Haley thing. It is. You collect old antique folding chairs and use them as wall decor. 
Yeah. And I'm going to do that, but then I will be able to take them down like on a Saturday morning when mm-hmm. I want to sit out there with coffee and they'll be functional as well. And then I can just put them back in their wall decor. I love that. It is a good idea. And we're going to get to another way to use that in a minute. So if you don't have a front porch, you can get creative and come up with something. Absolutely. Now, if you've got a front porch but are not using it to the best of its ability, there's probably a couple reasons. One is possibly that you've used this space already for collecting all kinds of stuff that you don't know what to do with, right? Yeah. We've all driven past the houses where they've got like a three-season. It's especially, yeah, a thing with three-season porches that aren't being used, I think. Yeah. I always see boxes piling up or, you know, old workout equipment that's not in use anymore. Right. It's just where things go to die. <laughs> well, I, I think we do that because with a three-season area, I think what happens is psychologically, it's it's like a big closet. Yeah. It's part of our house. Totally. I might as well use it. So I'm going to just store stuff there. And we become house blind. We talk about that all the time. We're so used to seeing it, we don't even notice it. Mm -hmm. But we've been talking about curb appeal for the last couple of weeks, and this is another one of those big things where really it can detract from the look and the appeal of your home when you've got all that stuff piled up there. And it's just mental weight. It's mental weight, and it's just preventing you from using the space. So declutter that. I mean, that's clearly the first step, and I know that's not easy. It's easy to say. It's not easy to do. There's a lot involved in that. But go through the work. It's worth it. Donate what you can. Toss what you need to. Reorganize the rest. Get that space cleared out. Turn it into something that could be used. That's the first step. Now, another reason that you might not be using that front porch or that three-season area or whatever it is is because the windows that are in there are painted shut. We all know how miserable that can be. Well, if you don't have any airflow, you're just baking in the sun out there. Yeah, Little mummies if you spend a lot of time out there. Not fun. No, not good at all. Not a good look for anybody. Not a good place to be. (laughs) So you've got to get those unstuck. We don't have time to go through the process right now. I'm going to put links in the show notes and some notes. It's a very simple process. You need very simple tools. Right. And you probably have all these tools at home already. Box cutter, putty knife, a A little hammer, and a spray bottle so you can soak the the area down before you work on it to make sure that you're not creating dust. Because it could be lead paint that you're working with. You've got to be careful. I'm going to put links in the show notes and some notes. You can check it out and then we'll dig into the project on another segment. But if you've got the windows that are stuck, just know you can get them unstuck and you could probably do it in about a a day's worth of work. There is hope. All right. So let's say you get the windows open and when you do and that breeze flows through, it's going to feel like heaven on earth. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to start thinking, okay, this is a usable space now and I need furniture. Yeah. So what do you do, Haley? Because when you look online and you look around, you see all this oversized stuff. Well, yeah. I what think if my space is little? Really popular right now is oversized porch furniture. You know, there's entire sectionals that exist for your deck, and that's not necessarily suitable for a front porch. It's do you a know how tiny area? How tiny I would look in oversized furniture. <laughs> That's like a whole other It's another segment, but I've seen myself sitting in big chairs and it's like, wow. It's like those um, roadside attractions where it's the giant yep. chair. Yeah. Yes. So if you don't have a lot of space. Don't get a giant chair. Right, right. But there are other alternatives. A lot of times we think that if I don't have those big comfy chairs. I won't be comfortable. I'm not going to have a comfortable space. Yeah. And it's really important to have a comfortable sitting chair for your front porch because you want to spend time out there. The good news is you can find very small Comfortable chairs, you know, look for stuff without armrests for one thing. Another angle to go is, it's kind of surprising, but I've got a wooden rocking chair, an old antique rocking chair Mm -hmm. in the house that's absolutely the most comfortable chair in my home. 
It's a wooden chair. There's no padding on it. Well, and that's perfect for a front porch. It I mean, is. It can't get more classic Americana than that. Right. So you can find small scale furniture, small footprint furniture that's still really comfortable. Check out those things. Rocking chairs would be great. Now, the next problem that you might encounter or raise, you know, anybody who's really listening at home is thinking, okay, Dan, that's a great idea, but how am I going to find two identical chairs? Because you want to kind of flank the door or right. flank you a coffee like a table. Set, right? right. Well, you don't need two identical chairs because we have paint. <laughs> and, that is the beauty of paint, though. Well, and I don't think a lot of people realize this. It, it's really, it's almost like magic. But if you paint two dissimilar chairs mm-hmm. or whatever's the same color, so many of those dissimilarities go away. This right. cohesiveness is created, this unity, and visually, it doesn't look nearly as no. out of place as you think it will. Exactly. And yet, you still get the fact that these are different, and that creates a lot of visual interest. Well, yeah, it's like extra texture to look at, and I really am a fan of that look overall, but it's really budget-friendly is the beautiful thing about it. Yeah, so definitely keep that in mind. If you do want to tackle a project like that, uh, just stop out at any Repcolator Port City Paints, show us what you're working on, You know, bring in some pictures, and we'll walk you through what prep steps you need. Uh, what products you need to to get all that paint on and what you know what paint you need to use. Absolutely. We'll help you with all of that. Now, another thing, we mentioned those uh, folding chairs yes, that I'm going to use for my little creative front porch mm-hmm. thing. Another great way to use those would be, you know, like in a small space where I don't have room for a lot of furniture, but I do anticipate having guests over from time to time. We'll do the same thing out on the front porch. Find some really nice wooden folding chairs, hang them up as wall decor, and then they can come down very easily as extra seating. Yeah, I think that's really perfect. I wish I would have thought of that. I have them hanging on my wall, but I never thought to use them on an outdoor space or a confined space. It's like uh, It's what I do, Haley. I take other people's ideas and then I perfect them. (laughs) It's like the front porch. Yeah, it's my goal. All right, so that's furniture. We don't have a ton of time left. Let's talk about floors and ceilings, though. That's another area. Even if you've got your front porch and are using it, that's where you really could this is where take things I up need a notch. to do some work is I really need to repaint the floor and make it a color that adds interest but also is going to work well as a front porch color because really mid-tones are going to be the best they're going to hide dirt and dust that builds up over time when you go too light or too dark now you start seeing all of that stuff so it's a really important thing to keep in mind the other thing to keep in mind is that it's going to look lighter on the floor than it does on that color chip when we're talking about ceilings, however, it's going to look darker than it does on that color chip. It's all in shadow now, and so you've really got to compensate for that by going a little bit lighter than maybe you think you do. Right. So floors and ceilings, we've got paint for whatever situation you've got. I think is your is your porch floor concrete or is it, it is. Yep. wood? Okay, yeah. Either situation, we've got products that will work great on that. Benjamin Moore has floor and patio. Repcolite has urethane floor enamel. We've got all kinds of options for whichever surface you've got. You don't have to paint solid colors either. Yes. There's all kinds of different things you can do, but we don't have time to talk about any more of them, nope. Haley. We're entirely out of time. We're going to have to wrap it up. What we are going to do, though, is wrap this show up and call it good, but then we're going to keep talking about all of the different things, some different projects for painting on your floor, and we're going to put it in the podcast. Yes, you can find our podcast wherever you subscribe, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, any of those places you can find our show. And you'll get the whole show, the show as it was meant to be. Yes. But whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. We do want you to remember that the Repco Light and Port City Paints locations are going to be closed on Monday the 4th to celebrate the 4th. 
Make sure you have a great holiday. Stay safe. Keep all your digits. Yes. I'm Dan Hansen. I'm Haley Johnson. Thanks for listening. And we're back. Haley, bonus minutes. Yeah. Bonus Rapcoli Home Improvement Show. Yes. Your prayers have been answered. <laughs> <laughs> There's more you can listen to. No, uh, we, we've been kind of talking about this for a while. Uh, we normally have so much information yeah. that we want to convey, which is honestly why I'm talking a million miles an hour right. sometimes. It's not coffee. It's not, not caffeine. It's, it's just time constraints. Right. It's not always <laughs> coffee or caffeine. But man, sometimes I exhaust myself just listening to myself. <laughs> and I want to be able to go a little slower through some of these things, but we don't have time. Right. And we always talk about maybe we'll hit this part of the topic on another episode, but it doesn't really work sometimes as a standalone. It needs to be Together. right next to yeah. what we started talking about. And so we decided we're going to do bonus minutes when they're warranted. They're going to go into the podcast. So all podcast subscribers are going to get the best of the Repcolite Home Improvement Show. The all best we've got, right? Yeah. The whole thing. I would think that would be the best, right? Yes. <laughs> Maybe they'll find they prefer the abbreviated version. Anyway, let's get to this. We were talking about front porches, and we were just kind of hitting our stride when the buzzer went off and we had mm-hmm. to quit. We were talking about floors and ceilings, painting those uh, because they're overlooked areas. Yeah. You know, and they have to be maintained, too. I think porch floors in general just don't last as long as other painted areas of our home. And it's because of weather, the wear and tear. It's a floor space. They right. have to be maintained over time. Right. And so we were talking about getting the right paint on the floor so it lasts long, getting mm-hmm. the right color so it will hold up, understanding how color works on a floor and a ceiling, how they look lighter on the floor, darker on the ceiling. Yep. You listen to the show. You heard all of that. But what we weren't able to get into is talking about some creative projects or creative ways of painting the floor. We talked about solid colors, but there are so much more that you could do. And, you know, for example, we've seen checkerboard patterns. Right. And... A checkerboard, too, that's more like a diamond shape. Yeah. So you've got diamonds, if you're looking at it head on, rather than squares that are stacked. I mean, right off the bat, you've got so many options. Now, everybody probably is, you know, instantly envisions, I would think, like a black and white checker. And, and that's not really, I mean, of course, you could. You could. It could be anything. It could be a very minimal difference between the two colors. I like that the best, personally. We're right. And I, I, think I agree. That people don't always think of... Um, a subtlety in a checkerboard pattern as an option, but it is. You can have, you know, just one shade or two shades difference between the light and dark. And I think it makes a really interesting effect. It's not overwhelming, but it adds a ton of interest. Right. And in a small space, something with a lot of contrast can be overwhelming very, very quickly. And it, it actually feel... makes it feel smaller. Right. But so a subtle color, you know, so don't just write off the concept Maybe it's just the color, you know, Mm -hmm. in your mind that you're envisioning that's throwing you off. A subtle difference could be really, really cool. And same thing with stripes. Mm -hmm. You can do just really subtle differences, whether it's just two colors that are alternating. It could be three or four colors. I've seen people that have done essentially a rainbow porch. (laughs) You don't have to go that far, but it just gives you the idea of how much is really possible when we're talking about colors on your front porch. Right. And I know uh, some of the stripes that I saw that I really liked, you know, they were on plank floors, mm-hmm. wood plank floors on a front porch, and the planks were narrow. Yeah. And so they didn't take one plank 
and then alternate each plank, you know, with a different color. They took three or four planks to make a wider, almost an eight inch stripe. And that looked great. Yeah, it was much simpler than... Well, and it kind of updates it in a way, too, because more modern planks are wider on floors now. And so you have these narrow planks that maybe look, you know, classic or older, but maybe it looks outdated in your space. And so this is a way to make it look more updated and contemporary. Now, color-wise, Haley... Are there any rules of thumb? We talked last week on the show about some color things, you know, looking at the roof and all of that. Is there anything you can dish out to the peeps? (laughs) Mid-tones. If you go too light or too dark, you're going to start to see all the dirt and dust and pollen that's blowing into the front porch. And that's not ideal. It's really best to go with a mid-tone. It's going to hide way more of that stuff. So you're going to have to wash it less often. All right. All right. All right. So I like that. Now... Another thing to do would be, um, let's see here, do we want to go to the rug? Or remember you had that game floor thing. The rug. Maybe the... Haley's debating. <laughs> now that there's no time, I'm, I'm afraid of how long she might debate. I don't normally give her that much time to debate. I think the game floor. Okay, talk about your game floor. we just talked about the checkerboard. Right. So now, you know, think about that on a smaller scale. Maybe most the floor is a solid color and you've got a dedicated area on a front porch where you can just square off an actual checkerboard and make that into a game activity that you have on your front porch built in. It's always there. Right. Right. And if you have enough children as checkers and you make it big enough, they could all be oh, the people. Whoa. Like some kind of living chessboard. That Man, would I would need cool. like you 40 need children. children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I want to do that. That'd be sm- that, really <laughs> packed on the front porch night to, you know, not going to work. No. But that's a really cool idea. We did that, you know, kind of jumping in another direction. But I did that on an end table, just a junky, you know, thrift store end table that we right. found had to be painted because it was just terrible. And the paint, it looked great when it was painted. And then I put a checkerboard on the top of that. And then the kids ran around the yard and found all these different stones from the neighbor's um, little garden area. They didn't care. (laughs) And yeah, little blue ones and little white ones. And we had a little checkerboard there. It was really fun. Yeah, that's super smart. It was super smart. It's the way I roll. Let's talk about painted rugs. Get back to the floor thing, though, because that is another option. And it can be very simple. Right. Honestly, it could just be a rectangular, you know, a secondary color. The floor is one color. True. This area is slightly different. Just gives a little bit of a feel of an area rug. But you could also make it super complicated. Yes. Which I might have to do myself. I have been, you know, scrolling, researching for this topic, and I keep finding all of these really ornate, you know, they look like Persian rugs that people have used stencils to create on a painted floor. And I'm all about it. I love the way it looks. So how would you go about that? I mean, you've got, we, we, we didn't plan for this, so I'm kind of throwing you a curveball, but you've got a concrete. You've got a concrete floor. How smooth is it? Like, how is the stencil going to work on a textured surface like that? I don't that? think it's it has to be like super crisp lines. If you think about a rug, they're woven or it's a fiber. So even on a normal rug, it's not super duper crisp. So I think I'd be okay with a little bit of bleed, you know, because it's not a perfectly smooth texture on the floor. Um, I have to expect that a little bit of that texture is going to bleed sure, things. That's, that's my concern. Yeah. But as long as I'm going in and I guess you have to address your situation and go in with the correct expectations or else you're just not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. But that's something to keep in mind is that you do have to be really careful when you're using stencils 
to almost kind of dry brush paint on because you've really got to avoid the paint bleeding through that stencil around the edges. Well, and there are a lot of different options uh, for affixing the stencil to the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, long ago when stenciling was really big yeah. and mom was doing that on all the, you know, instead of wallpaper oh, borders, sure. there's all stencils. Which is coming back. <laughs> yeah, you just tape the, you know, the, the two edges down, the top and the bottom edge, and then you just do your best. Yeah. And now there's actual spray adhesive. Right. Where you put it over the entire stencil and that will stick it down. It doesn't leave a residue behind. That's a way to go. That's that's an ideal way to go because you're getting the whole stencil stuck down that way. Definitely. So dig into those things. Let's talk about, um, before we move on, you know, we talked about checkerboard. We talked about stripes. Now, the stripes could be easy because you could actually run the brakes along brakes in the planks. Mm-hmm. Kind of rhymes. I feel like I'm throwing down some... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> something. <laughs> he starts bobbing his head. Yeah. I'm not sure what's going to happen. start beatboxing. <laughs> I've done that before, and I've been told not to do that anymore. No, but so you can maybe, maybe make those brakes there. But let's talk about the checkerboard. You're going to need tape. We'd recommend uh, frog tape is our favorite to use. There's green frog tape. There's blue frog tape. And there's yellow frog tape. Do we? I know we tested them all. I think we found that the green and the yellow performed almost identically, identically. right? Identically, yeah. The big difference, I mean, is how delicate the surface is, and most likely, if we're talking about a porch that's been, you know, sitting for a while that you're updating, you probably don't have to worry about pulling old paint off. Right. So but, the delicate is the yellow. Yeah. You, would, you could put that even over wallpaper and still. Yes remove it without damaging the paper. You wouldn't need to do that one on that surface. The green would be fine. The frog tape has a special chemical composition, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that actually reacts to water-based paint and creates a seal. Yeah, it's almost like a gel that it makes. And water-based paint, making that seal as you're going is great. But you can also uh, pre-wet the frog tape a little bit just by using a slightly damp paper towel and really, you know, press down as you're going along it. So you're kind of doing double duty. You're really getting the tape down and you're activating that gel seal before the paint's even there. It's definitely worth it. It's a lot of, it feels like, sounds like a lot of extra work, but really taping is the job. That's the work. Mm -hmm. You know, doing all of that is already work. Doing this little bit of extra isn't that much extra, and when you remove it and you've got a nice sharp line versus bleed through, it was definitely worth it. It's a you know, world of difference. We've all been there where we've pulled tape off, seen bleed through. And it's like I could have done oh, better with a brush, you know? Oh, I'm never that calm. There's a lot of railing <laughs> against the universe and why everything is aligned against me and... Everybody has to I'm going around down. with like a tiny little painter's brush and trying to like make it a straight line by hand now. Yeah, yeah. I know. So floors, lots of different options on floors, ceilings. We talked about the different colors. I think it's really interesting that that blue, you know, there's always this standard traditional like blue. The southern front porch. Right. It's yeah. called haint blue. And really the whole idea behind it is that it keeps haints, which are actually evil spirits, oh. away. That's the whole point. Of that. Really? Yeah. One other idea is that it tricks spiders into thinking that it's the sky. Seriously? Yep. So you don't build webs in the sky. So I'm not <laughs> going to build any webs up there. I don't Wouldn't know which... you take the opportunity? I mean, here's a sky that I can walk on for the first time. I'm going to go nuts now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think either one of those really stands up to inspection. No. But that's the kind of idea. And so we see that, though, that traditional blue. And I, I believe it's on the... Um, the porch of the Grand Hotel on Mackinac yes, Island. It is. That's the biggest covered porch 
anywhere, I believe. You're looking at me like I know and oh, I don't. Oh, yeah. Well, I just <laughs> went out on a limb, made a lot of claims. Disclaimer, anything Dan says may or may not be actually true. So we don't know. I'll look that up later, but I'm not going to change it. I'm going to stick to that. It's a really big covered porch, and I believe that Haint Blue is there for one reason or another. You could go with that, but you don't have to. There's no rules, right? You can go anywhere you want. The big thing is what we mentioned at the beginning. The color is going to look darker on that ceiling, so keep that in mind. Exactly. I always try to just use a color that has a little bit less gray in it for the ceiling. Usually I'm trying to put more gray into a color to tone it a little, but really the opposite has to happen because a shadow is bringing so much gray into that color on a ceiling. So we've got all the paints, all the products that you would need. Definitely just stop out at any Repcolite or Port City Paints. Go online, repcolite.com. You can chat with us there, ask questions. We'll steer you in the right direction, help you find the products for that. How about quickly we'll just hit adding plants? Yes. Because that's a big part of this whole thing. It is. The porch is a transitional space from the outdoors to the indoors. Right. Plants should be a part of it. Well, it adds life, adds privacy sometimes, if that's a concern of yours, and... I really struggle with this part of a front porch. I've had um, patios and balconies and apartments in the past, and I would always get like hanging flower baskets. I'm not the best at consistently watering things. Mm -hmm. It's something I struggle with. And so they'd end up looking really sad over time, or they would drop petals. The house looks abandoned. Right. It became a thing that made it ugly instead of cute. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, not ideal. So what I've transitioned to now, I've learned, I use ferns. Beautiful. So low maintenance. They're consistent. They'll go with any house color scheme. And they're not dropping petals all over the floor when I don't right. water them. <laughs> the big thing is know thyself. Yes. You know, if, if you can't keep up with the maintenance, find an alternative that will work. Right. And preferably an alternative that's not fake plants. No, because you can tell outside, especially on a front porch. Okay, possibly, possibly. But ferns, ferns will be a try for me. Another thing that I I think is really important is to keep it to scale. We talked about that with furniture. I think sometimes I've seen plenty of porches. I've made this mistake too, where I just bring in so much. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's not just hard to manage. It's really, it takes over the space and it's too big for the area and that doesn't look good in the end. It looks messy and overrun and uncared for. So keep all of that in mind. I think something that's really interesting is that you're not just limited to flowers or ferns or stuff like that, but with planters and window boxes, you could potentially grow herbs yeah, and you know various vegetables of some kind. I love that idea. Yeah. Do a little gardening right on the front porch. And if you're in an association where they might frown on that, <laughs> chances are they're probably not going to know. Yeah. No one identifies plants very well anymore. Yeah. You just don't want to put those little those little stakes in there that says cilantro. This is a tomato. Right. And tomatoes. <laughs> (laughs) and stuff like that. But yeah, I think that's a really fun way to go if you don't have space to do that somewhere else. So make sure you're getting the most out of the front porch. That's really what we wanted to stress in this. And that's why we wanted to take this extra time. We're really interested in front porches that you have that you think have really taken it up a notch. You know, something that you've done that you think you want to share with other people. Yes, please inspire us. Yeah, we definitely want to hear about it. You can email us at radio at repcolite.com or you can go to our new Facebook page for the Repcolite Home Improvement Show or our Instagram. Yes. And Haley's going to tell you all about that because it's brand new. 
brand new. Uh, we're going to be posting videos, pictures, anything related to the things that we're talking about on the show will be populated. Bloopers. Yes, bloopers. <laughs> we're going to start video recording the actual recordings of the show. And oh my goodness. The Instagram is going to be better than the podcast now. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be funny because there's a lot of funny stuff that happens. So definitely... Follow us there. Subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. If you haven't done that already, find the little subscribe button. You know, you can listen to the episode every week, but this will actually let you know that we have a new one. It's pretty exciting. I know when that shows up on my phone, it's like Christmas all over again. Well, that's not true, but it might be for somebody. (laughs) All right. I think that's it. We've covered what we wanted to cover. Yeah. We did it at a leisurely pace and enjoyed the walk, right? All about porches. How perfect is that, too? Slowing down. Have a great weekend. Subscribe. As Haley said, check out that Facebook page, and we'll see you next week. 